Welcome to The Little Sleep Show, a podcast about helping your children and family get the sleep you need. Hosted by Laura Meyercourt. Hello, and welcome back to The Little Sleep Show. I'm your host, Laura Meyercourt, and I am an infant and child sleep consultant. This week, I have chosen to talk about nighttime fears, nightmares, and night terrors, and the difference between night terrors and nightmares, because a lot of times people will ask me if their child is having a night terror or nightmare, and there are some definite telltale signs um, to help you tell the difference between the two. So first off, nightmares can potentially develop in children as young as 12 months, research has shown, although they're not 100% sure about this because it's really hard to tell if a child is having a nightmare when they can't vocalize. So this is more based on um, brain activity studies. However, more common age is 18 months for nightmares developing. And this is because imagination rapidly changes and develops in the toddler years. And with all the great imagination leaps your child is making, they also are capable of then imagining scary things. So nightmares can be caused by a lot of factors, and I'll give you just a few. So it's normal for children to have nightmares about realistic things that are scary, like sharks, spiders, dogs, anything you can think of that might even be a little bit scary. Your child can develop a fear, and of course, at night, things are much more scary, Or if they haven't completely processed their feelings during the day, they will then have a nightmare about those things. They can also develop, of course, imaginary fears like monsters, ghosts, aliens, you know, things that they've heard talked about or things that they've seen on a movie or on a TV show. Also distressing events or traumatic events that they've seen or experienced. Adults have nightmares about scary things that we've seen or experienced. So of course our children will too. It's our body and our brain's way of processing trauma to have nightmares and dreams about something. And nightmares tend to happen in the second half of the night when your child is sleeping lightly and when they're dreaming more during light sleep. So something I want to just touch on is called sleep pressure. And sleep pressure is our biological drive to sleep. Now, our bodies need to build up sleep pressure in younger children. This is why we space naps at certain intervals, because at particular ages, kids need a certain amount of time to build up enough sleep pressure to fall asleep again. So with older kids and adults, we need to build up sleep pressure all day in order to be able to sleep through the night. Between 3 to 5 a.m., our body has the lowest sleep pressure in the entire 24 hours. Since nightmares tend to happen in that second half of the night, if your child wakes from a nightmare, it can be a lot more difficult to get them back to sleep just because their body biologically doesn't have that drive to sleep as strongly as they do in the middle of the night or when they're going to sleep. Also, of course, it's upsetting and distressing for kids to have nightmares. So those two things coupled together can make it really difficult to return your child to sleep. Night terrors are similar to nightmares, but they're usually far more dramatic. They are a lot more rare, though. So they only happen in about 3 to 6% of kids. And they can be more common among boys. 
I did not, I was not able to find the reasoning why they're more common among boys than among girls. Night terrors typically happen about two to three hours after your child falls to sleep. And that's a big telltale sign that they happen at different times of the evening where nightmares happen much closer to morning. Night terrors usually happen only a couple hours after your child falls asleep. It's a sleep cycle irregularity. So it's happening during a transition in your child's sleep cycles. What a night terror may look like is your child sitting up in bed and screaming or shouting, rapid heartbeat, sweating, and especially thrashing around is pretty common with night terrors. And if you notice that your child doesn't wake easily and your attempts to comfort them, this is a night terror. So what you don't want to do is try to wake your child If you wake them, this can cause them to even be more agitated and have a hard time calming down. Children don't actually remember night terrors. Um, The best thing to do for your child is to wait it out and to hold them or make sure that they're in a safe place that they're not going to get hurt if they're thrashing around. Causes of night terrors can be overtired child, so a child with sleep deprivation, a stressed child, or a sick child. It can also be a child who's taking a new medication or sleeping in a new environment. So any kind of stress on your child and chronic sleep deprivation is a big source of stress in children because our body gets flooded with stress hormones when we are chronically overtired. So if your child is going through a period of change or a period of stress and having night terrors, it's their body's way of processing the stress. Now, if your child is having repeated night terrors, it may be something you want to talk to a physician, a counselor, or another medical professional about just to make sure you're doing everything you can to help your child. Because, you know, we could expect this to happen periodically because, of course, stress comes and goes. It ebbs and flows in our lives and it comes and goes in our children's lives too. And so, yes, of course, Some night terrors or nightmares are normal. If our child is experiencing this all the time, every night, there is chronic stress happening with your child and that source of that stress needs to be investigated. So nighttime fears. What factors can lead to nighttime fears? Well, there's a lot of different things that can cause nighttime fears. So when our children have fears of the dark or fears of going to bed, fears of the room, we have to sometimes investigate what is the underlying cause of the fears. So I'm going to go through a few of them here. Stress in your child's life or in the home. So changes within the family, whether they're positive changes or negative changes in our view, changes are very difficult for children to handle because they feel very out of control. So something like moving, a new sibling, Even moving bedrooms or moving from a crib to a toddler bed, these are big changes for a child. And if they're not coping with the changes during the day, then for sure at night, these uh, emotions and anxieties are going to come out for our children. If your child is experiencing an illness, if your child is starting school or changing schools, that's a huge source of stress and anxiety for children. It's such a big transition. And then for older children, if there's any bullying going on. And why I talked about investigating is because I know from my own experience with my kids that kids don't really share what's going on with them day to day. It tends to come out at random moments for my kids. It usually will come out 
like two weeks after the fact that someone's been bothering them at school at a very random moment. And that's just because kids, um, when they're stressed, and this happens to adults too. So when we're stressed, our communication center in our brain kind of shuts down. And so that's why a lot of times um, when we are, let's say, fighting with our spouse, we're not able to form the words that we want to form. And then afterwards, we're like, oh, I should have said that. Well, that's happening with our children too. And their brains are even less developed than ours. So children don't really have the tools and the ability to communicate in the heat of the moment when something is really upsetting to them. So that's why it often will take a week or two before your child will communicate something distressing that's going on with them. And this requires sometimes us asking a lot of questions as parents. Also, another cause of nighttime fears can be parental stress. If you're having relationship issues, if there's frequent arguing in the home, loss of a job, financial stress, even if you think that you're keeping these things hidden from your child, your child can absorb the tension in the home and they can absorb your stress and anxiety. This is due to something called co-regulation and co-regulation is a, is a complicated subject. An easy way to think about it is that our brains are kind of co-constructed with others. So our brains are formed based on the emotional and social experiences and interactions in our first three years. And that's why they always say the first three years are so important. And our children basically learn how to regulate their own emotions by our modeling and by the way that we help them regulate emotions. So if our emotions are off and we're upset and anxious, that's going to translate into our child being upset and anxious. I hope that makes sense. It's I, I will do a more detailed episode explaining co-regulation because it's a really important factor in child development. So another factor is children who are overscheduled or overstimulated. So kids that have way too much going on in their day-to-day lives, we know that this is becoming more and more common. It's becoming more and more of an issue and a problem with all the classes and activities that children are scheduled for and running from one thing to another. This can overload your child's system. Children need to take breaks. They need downtime. They need time to just play and be kids. It's necessary for their development to do this because kids learn and develop through play. So if everything they're doing every single day is structured and very tightly scheduled, this is very stressful on a child's system. If your child's schedule is off, so either they're overtired or they're not tired enough at bedtime, they will have trouble winding down for sleep. A source of anxiety is when your child knows when they're in a chronic sleep deprivation cycle and they know that they're going to be in their beds for a long time by themselves awake. Their brain is already building up anxiety and this can cause them to create fears of things that aren't there or it gives them too much time to think. I mean, you know, when you have, if you've ever experienced insomnia, I certainly have, when you are laying there and you can't sleep your brain just kind of takes off and starts thinking about all kinds of things that really during the day are probably not as scary as they are when you're laying there in your bed at night. So if your child is taking a long time to fall asleep or awake for a long time in the middle of the night, this can be happening for them as well. So if your child is overtired, their bodies are stressed and then they're going to be wired in their brains and bodies. That's due to the excess of the stress hormones, cortisol and adrenaline 
Those get released when we are overtired because they push us to stay awake. That's that second wind feeling that we get when we stay awake longer than we probably should. Or if we're exhausted and um, we need to get through the day, our bodies will produce cortisol and adrenaline to keep us awake. So it's a stress response by the body. But if your child has an excess of these stress hormones in their system, if they're chronically sleep deprived, it's going to be very difficult for their brains to shut down at night. So exposure to scary media, sometimes inadvertently scary. When I was younger, very little, probably about three or four, I remember being really scared of um, a dog, I think it was, on Sesame Street. I think it was Big Bird's dog. What was his name? Barkley, for anyone who remembers. And I used to go hide behind the chair in the living room whenever this dog would come on TV. And to a lot of kids, of course, it probably wasn't scary at all. I don't think they'd have something purposely scary on Sesame Street. But to me, this was terrifying. So sometimes we don't know exactly what the source is that's causing our child to be scared. So it's good to sometimes just sit with your child and watch what they're watching, just so you you might get a little clue as to what is scaring them if they're imagining things. So movies, books, TV shows, video games is another big one. If you have an older child and your little one is wandering into the room and seeing a movie or a video game that their older sibling is playing, sometimes just a glimpse of something is enough for a little child to get scared and develop imaginary fears. Fear of the dark This is actually something developmental, and it's usually around age four to five that this starts to present itself, although again, it can be at any age. Again, I think that fear of the dark probably stems from, you know, uncertainty and your child feeling out of control. I mean, when the lights are out, they can't really see what's going on around them, so they could potentially in their minds be out of control of something coming to get them or something being in the room that they don't like, you know, children's imaginations. Children's imaginations are wild places and they can imagine really incredible things and this can go the other way and they can imagine some really scary things. So that's why fear of the dark is a very normal fear for children. Anything that makes a child feel out of control is going to really upset them. Children like order, they like um, regularity and predictability. It makes them feel very safe to know what's coming and what's around them. Separation anxiety also developmentally. This will also cause children to have nighttime fears. Separation anxiety can come up at any time. Now, if there's change going on within the home, your child will probably experience some separation anxiety. But also at various stages of development, separation anxiety becomes more prominent when children are going through developmental leaps typically. So if your child is learning to crawl, if your child is learning to walk, if their language is developing, they will probably experience some separation anxiety. And that's really just because even though they are excited about gaining more freedom and independence, they also see the other side of that, which means that they're maybe not as close to you. Um, their picture of the world is getting bigger with each little bit of independence and freedom that they gain. And so they tend to cling to us more during these periods of big development. So how can we help our children cope with these nighttime fears? I have lots of ideas that you can try with your own child. The number one way that you can help your child cope with their fears is by giving them a chance to talk about their fears. This can be during the day and also before bed. So I'll go a little more into detail about during the day. During the day, it helps to bring up your child's fears. 
sometimes when you're doing like a one-on-one playtime with them, like if you are doing something with your hands, such as building or painting or coloring, and your child doesn't have to sit there and make direct face-to-face eye contact with you, sometimes this can help our child to share a little bit more. When they're busy with their hands or they're busy doing something else, sometimes they feel more comfortable sharing things with us. It's just children, um, you know, their communication skills are very rudimentary and having to not look a grown-up in the eye can sometimes allow your children that little bit of freedom to share something that's difficult. Maybe take the pressure off of them a little bit. So when we listen to our children share about their fears, we want to make sure we listen, validate, and understand. So we want to validate their emotions and feelings and acknowledge that what they're feeling is real. If we say, oh, that's not real, or that's silly, that's, you know, kind of invalidating how our children feel because these fears are even though we know that monsters aren't real and that sharks and spiders don't come and get us in the middle of the night, to our child, this stuff is 100% real. Saying something like, that must be really scary for you, or I could see how that would make you feel really nervous and scared. Those things will validate what your child is feeling, and then they'll feel like you're a safe person to talk to and share their feelings with. So positive imagery is a way that you can help your child when you talk about fears at nighttime. So before bed, with children who are able to vocalize fears, you want to let them, give them a chance to get it out, talk about it in their room, and then you want to replace those thoughts with something that's positive. So say to your child, instead of thinking about sharks tonight, let's think about Um, your favorite place and if their favorite place is the park and then say well what let's think about the park and let's think about one more thing how about your favorite animal okay my favorite animal is a turtle let's think about a turtle playing at the park and then help your child visualize exactly what that would look like and smell like and feel like and sound like because using our senses is a really great way of coping with anxiety and we can do this as adults too you can visualize five things that you can see in the room, five things that you can touch in the room, and it helps us connect to reality and kind of get out of the anxiety in our head. So this is something that's really powerful you can try with your child. And then your child will have something really happy to think about while they're falling asleep. If they have this, you know, very clear picture of something that's positive and happy, their brain may tend to not go to the scary stuff. So something to try. Reading books to your children about overcoming their fears I'll make sure that I put some suggestions in my show notes this week. And there are a ton of books about this topic because this is a really huge topic for children. I think developmentally, all children are scared of something at some point. And depending on your child's temperament and personality, the fears will be more prominent. But whether it's a fear of the dark or a fear of imaginary things... Children can identify with books, and books can often present things from a third-person perspective, but they can also present them in a funny way, and kids love to laugh, and this relieves a lot of tension for kids. So introducing a security object, if you have not already, a favorite toy in the bed with them to protect them, or a blanket or a piece of fabric that smells like you if you sleep with something for a couple nights in your bed, this can be very comforting, particularly to younger children who are used to your scent and who are very comforted by your scent. Something else you can do for a little bit older kids is to set up like an army of stuffed animals around their bed to guard them and protect them. Sometimes this helps them feel safe. A big one here that we're going to talk about is encouraging your child to stay in their own room. 
And also, if they're scared of the dark, trying to comfort them in the dark. We want to, it's almost like we want to not make the fear any bigger than it is. So if we're letting our child constantly come out of the bedroom, we're subconsciously telling them that the bedroom is not a safe place, that your room is a safer place than their bedroom. If we can go to them and comfort them in their room or teach them how to call for you instead of coming into your room, this can reinforce that the bedroom is a safe place because you're in there with them. And if you're in there with them, then it must be a safe place. So this is more of a subconscious thing, but it can be really powerful. So when our child comes into our room from a bad dream, we want to walk them back to bed. We want to let them express their fears to us, cuddle them and stay with them until they fall asleep if it's necessary. Or you can also do for older kids, you can do checks. So you can say, I'll come back and check on you in three minutes. And then you make sure that you come back and check on them so they can trust you. And then you can space out these checks. So say, okay, well, I'll come back and check on you in five minutes. And if they're, and eventually your child will fall asleep. They'll feel reassured. But this may take a couple nights to implement. If your child is experiencing a lot of fears, they may want you to stay with them. And that's the best thing you can do if your child needs you there is just to be there with them. It's, it's a temporary thing and it's going to provide a lot of comfort and reassurance to your child to have you there. Because again, these fears are very real to our children, especially if they're getting awoken by a nightmare. That is so jarring. I know for me, sometimes I have nightmares and wake up and sometimes the whole morning I'm just really off because the, the dream was so disturbing to me. Another great tool that we can use is to help our child learn to relax before bedtime. And this is so great because eventually our children will learn how to use some of these tools themselves. Some of the ways we can do this is by listening to a meditation together before bed. And if you saw my last episode about mindfulness, I give some resources of apps that have meditations and there's actually particular um, meditation sites for kids too. So I'll leave a couple of those in my show notes as well. But Insight Timer Um, which is a completely free app, the one that I use for meditation, actually has a lot of kids' meditations on there. So I really love that one and I recommend it. So listening to meditation together can be a really great bonding ritual before bed. And think about the tools that you're giving your child if you're teaching them to meditate as a child. This is something that they may potentially carry with them for the rest of their lives. And meditation is a very powerful tool for connecting to the present moment, getting out of fear and anxiety. So a body scan is another way you can help your child relax, letting them picture different parts of their body and tensing them and then releasing the tension. So tensing your feet and then releasing it, or just even feeling your feet, feel your feet, feel your legs, feel your thighs. You know, just connecting your child to what is in the present moment and what is real will help them to calm and to regulate their emotions and feelings. I talked about this earlier, but another way to help your child relax is visualization. So picturing a favorite place in detail. And there's also visualization um, meditations for kids, which kids tend to really like because they can use their imaginations. Also, another tool is drawing their bad dream and tearing it up. So for some kids, this can be really helpful for them to get it out on paper, especially if they're having trouble um, vocalizing what the dream is. A lot of kids are more able to express their feelings and emotions through drawings and through play. We can help empower our kids by reverse role-playing and giving them encouragement when they're brave and try to stay in their bed. So lots of positive encouragement during the day. If your child is able to stay in their bed or to call out for you, 
just give them so much positive praise about how brave they are and um, they're your hero. Using words like that that really connect with kids will make them feel so good about themselves and Reverse role playing is basically you pretend to be scared and letting your child comfort you and then calling them your hero or the good guy, you know, something like that, that connect with kids language that they use. It'll just give them so much power. Sharing your own experience with bad dreams or how you conquered a fear, whether it was when you were a child or whether it's something now that you've conquered can really help kids. Sharing our experience with others will always be a powerful tool because we're not telling someone what to do. We're sharing with them. So a lot of times kids, um, when they hear that our par- their parents had bad dreams as well when they were kids or that we have them now, it just helps them feel not so alone. Talking about real scary things versus imaginary scary things during the day, this is something really good to have discussions about what's real, what's not real. This can also turn into something that's a silly activity as well. You know, you can laugh and joke about monsters and things during the day that at nighttime you probably couldn't joke about. For some kids that you know respond well to reward charts or um, working towards something, to encourage them to stay in their bed. So something I read was to have a jar and have a couple lines on the jar. So your child, the big prize that your child is working towards is let's say uh, a trip to an indoor trampoline park. So every time they stay in their bed, they get to put a marble in the jar. And maybe a quarter of the way up is they get to pick out their favorite dessert at the bakery. And then halfway up is something else. And then if they fill the whole jar, they get to do the indoor trampoline park with their friend. You know, having something that your child chooses to work towards can really be a powerful way to get them to try a little bit harder. If your child is having a recurring nightmare or fear after something traumatic or stressful that happened, I really recommend seeing a counselor, a doctor, or another professional because this could be something that may require some more attention. If it's uh, something that's repeating night terrors or nightmares, it may need more treatment than we can give our child. If your child is repeatedly having the same fears or nightmares, talk with them about what shows they're watching, what games they're playing. You have to do a little bit of investigation here. You may find a pattern and need to remove the scary media from them. I will say with our kids, we were noticing that they were having trouble with night wakings and they're older. So this typically isn't a problem unless there's stress. So what we did is we moved screen time an hour away from bedtime and it's alleviated the problem almost completely just because even if it's not what we would consider scary, things can be overstimulating to our children. And it just may get their minds going a little too much when before bed, what they need to be doing is winding down and relaxing. That was a lot of information this week. I hope that you found some ways that maybe you can help your child cope with the fears that they're having because eventually our children will have fears pop up at different stages. Even older kids will have fears And some of the techniques I talked about can be used at any age, particularly the relaxation techniques. So this week's connection is beginning to teach our kids how to calm themselves. There's a simple mindfulness ritual at bedtime that can teach our child to relax and sleep. So what we want to do is get our kids in bed and have them lay face up and ask them to hold their favorite toy on their tummy. 
Now we want to ask them to breathe the toy to sleep. So when the, the toy is rising and falling with their breath and they're watching the toy move up and down, it will start to make them aware of their own breathing. So they'll be in the present moment and they'll hopefully slowly relax to sleep. So give this one a try with your kids. And this is something that if you repeat it enough with them, they'll be able to use this on their own. You may be surprised that one night your child goes and does this by themselves or learns how to do a body scan on their own or learns how to take some deep breaths to calm themselves. So if we can incorporate these practices into bedtime, we're giving our children really powerful tools to be able to learn how to relax and sleep. That's our show for this week. I hope you have a really great rest of your day and week and take care of yourself and each other. Bye-bye. We'll be back next Tuesday with a brand new episode. Until then, follow us on Instagram and Facebook for tips on sleep and a whole lot more. See you next week.